Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and finding it worth taking your time to sit down with us as we study the Word of God. We're going to dig deep into the Word today again. We started three weeks ago teaching a brand new series on the seven I am's of Jesus. Jesus said seven times in the Gospel of John, I am. I am the true bread. I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, he says several things throughout this book. And what we've been doing is trying to contrast for you that when he said that, the thing that really caught my attention, as I've really begun to delve into this thing, begin to just expand on me like crazy, is that every time he said, I am, he was saying it into contrast to what they thought, the, for instance, the true bread was. They thought the bread was the substance of the natural bread. They thought the true vine was Israel, but he was the true vine. They thought the way was through the Mosaic system, but Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. They thought, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, th that the life came from uh, an Old Testament performance type religious system. But Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. So when he's saying, I am, he's saying, this is what you thought it was. But I need you to know that I'm the true substance of it. You know, one of the th great things that you will always, that will open a lot of stuff to you in the Scriptures, that when you realize that the Old Testament is Jesus concealed, and the New Testament is Jesus revealed. The Old Covenant was the type or the shadow and the new covenant is the substance or the reality. And so you see Jesus in every book of the Bible. That's why John starts out his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him. Is a direct quote almost from Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So it starts in the beginning by Him and through Him were all things made that were made, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so I'm not going to take a long time to introduce this because we've spent three uh, weeks and we actually got somewhat into the bread that came down from heaven last week. I'm going to continue that today. The text I'm taking is from John 6, and I'm going to have to read a good bit of the Scripture here to kind of get you in the setting. But it says, after these things, this is John 6, verse 1, Jesus went over the sea, of Tib uh, the sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His miracles which He did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, there He sat with His disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Now I want you to see, first of all, that the setting is. The Passover, the feast of the Jews, is nigh. Now we know that in the Old Covenant they took a woolly lamb out and they sacrificed that lamb and the blood was shed. It was started in Genesis, or I'm sorry, Exodus 12, when God said, when you take the blood of the lamb, put it on the doorpost of the house, I'm going to deliver you from the bondage of Egypt. This Passover, 
was uh, Jesus really in the New Testament becomes the fulfillment. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us, and the blood of the Lamb are probably coming pretty close to the Easter season, even as these things air. And we need to understand that the reason we don't bring a woolly lamb to church every Sunday morning is because Jesus was the Lamb of God. And John the Baptist said right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus is bringing them into a setting here where, first of all, uh, a feast of the Jews is nigh. And then when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove them, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, and every one of them that may, may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. Uh, what are these among so many? See, even that to me is highly symbolic, because the five loaves, the Bible number five, is the number of grace, and the fish was a symbol of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's about to feed them here on the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ. But they're coming down into, if you will, a wilderness. The multitude has followed Jesus. The feast of the Passover is now. They've gone out into the wilderness now. Now I want you to see the parallel, because I think sometimes there's a lot of surface stuff happening. And we really don't see that there's a deeper picture, even in the miracles that Jesus does. There's a deeper picture here that He's trying to reveal to these first century Jews, because He's bringing them out of, if you will, the city. They're out into a wilderness, and a great multitude have followed Him. Now let's make this comparison, if you will, to the book of Exodus. When Moses led them out of Egypt, after the Passover, out into a wilderness, and fed them with bread and manna. Here's Jesus in the New Covenant, who is not the type and shadow. He is the substance, and He has led them out of the city, and He's about to lead them out of the bondage of religion, and out of the bondage of the Old Covenant. And He's going to bring them out into the wilderness again, and feed them on bread. And this is where he's going to say the first I am. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they are dead. But I'm the true bread. And he will say in this same text, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So he said, listen, these dudes are feeding you on a bread that does not produce life, but I came to bring you some bread that's going to bring you out of bondage. Not just the bondage of sin, that's included, but I'm going to bring you out of the bondage of Egypt. I, I think it's not an accident that when we look at, and I, I said this actually in, in the first, the very first introductory program three weeks ago on the series on John. Go back and watch it on archives. Jesus made this prophecy in Matthew 24. He said, you're going to see wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be uh, deliver you up to be killed. There's going to be earthquakes. And He begins to prophesy a lot of stuff that a lot of people think are future end time events. I submit to you they are not future end time events. They are end time events that happened all right at the end time. But the time of the end that Jesus was talking about 
was the time of the end of the old covenant age because he said to them in Matthew 24, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world, King James says, and what throws us as we read the word world, we think in terms of global, but the Greek word for world there in every other translation is translated age. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The end of the age was in the first century and happened, according to Matthew 24, 34, happened Jesus told them, he, that when they asked Him, when would these things be? He, he answers that question in Matthew 24, 34. He said, this generation will not pass till everything is fulfilled. Now we do all kinds of religious calisthenics and do all kind of violence to the text to try to read into it something that it does not say. He said, this generation will not pass away. And that uh, prophecy teachers will tell you, no, that's the generation that sees the budding of the fig tree. But if that's the case, then the same word Jesus used in Matthew 23, just a few verses below that, he said that all of these things will come upon this generation, talking about them who had killed the prophets and stoned them that were sent, would come on that generation. Now, the reason I'm saying that is to tell you that a generation is 40 years. Now what we're, what people are doing with this is trying to stretch all kinds, a generation is 40, then it's 50 years, then it's 60 years, and then it's 70 years. And uh, I, I submit to you that a generation was 40 years, and it's based on the wilderness journey where that generation came out of Egypt, and it was a 40-year wilderness journey. Now what's incredible to me is that Jesus who is the true Lamb of God, who is declared to be the Lamb of God by John the Baptist, in the New Testament is bringing His people out in another exodus. But this exodus is not out of a physical bondage of Egypt, it is out of the spiritual bondage of legalism and the leaven of the Pharisees and that whole system of law. That age of the Mosaic Covenant was coming to an end and a new day was dawning. It was the end of the age of the law, and it was a 40-year transition period from the time Jesus made that prophecy in Matthew 24 and said, this generation will not pass away till all these things are fulfilled, including the destruction of the temple where Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon another that will not be thrown down. Jesus gave that prophecy in 30 A.D. and in 70 A.D., exactly 40 years later, that prophecy came to pass. So that generation was alive and well, and the New Testament was written during that 40-year transition period called an exodus. It was, a, And Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he said to them, all of these things happened to them under Moses, as an example for us, talking to the first century church at Corinth, upon whom the ends of the world have come. Now that's King James language again. He said, but if you read that in any other translation, we're the people upon whom the ends of the ages have come. The ends, plural, of the ages have come. Talking to that first, gener that first century generation. The ends of the ages had come on them. It was the back end of the old covenant age and the front end of the new covenant age. And it was where the ends of the ages had come together and they were the people upon whom the ends of the ages had come. And in 30 AD to 70 AD was another exodus where the book of Hebrews says that that law and that covenant was fading away. Jesus had become the Passover lamb and had sacrificed Himself to deliver us from that bondage. And this 40-year transition period 
was the people upon whom the ends of the ages had come. And you watch as you go through the New Testament where it's written that they are learning what are we not under any longer. We don't have to do circumcision anymore. We don't need to worry about dietary customs. What they're doing is they're coming out of the bondage of Egypt and into the freedom of the New Covenant. And it is not completely done away. It, it was fulfilled and every requirement it had was done at the cross, but it was fading away according to the book of Hebrews until the temple was destroyed because the scripture says that the way into the most holy place was not made while the first temple still stood. The temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. That was the end of the Jewish polity and the covenant of the law because there's no way you could keep animal sacrifice without the temple because God had now moved into a new temple which was us. And what you see is everything that happened throughout that period of 40 years was part of the transition of them moving into, if you will, a new covenant paradigm. So when he's talking to them and he's bringing them in all of this stuff in the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as he's bringing them out into this wilderness, he's showing them the same picture. He said, listen, man, your fathers ate man in the wilderness. Don't you remember this? You came out of something. And, 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 and your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. And he makes them sit down, I said this in the last one, makes them down, sit, according to Mark's gospel, on the green grass. The green grass to me symbols the new covenant. You say, why is that? Because Revelation, the fourth chapter says, there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. An emerald is green, and a rainbow is a symbol of a covenant. Remember Noah? It was a symbol of a covenant. And then you read Psalm 23, which is a messianic prophecy. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my pastor. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. See, the only place you could lie down and rest was when you come into green pastures. See, because he will come on another place here, and one of the I am's he will say, I'm getting ahead of myself. He'll say, I'm the true shepherd. So he's saying, listen, man, I'm the true shepherd, and what I'm going to lead you in is pastures <laughs> that are green. I'm going to lead you into some new covenant truth. I'm going to need, lead you in some new covenant promised land. I'm going to lead you into some new covenant rest, and I'm going to show you that I'm going to provide for you all the way through the wilderness. And even as I begin to look at this stuff, as he set them down on green grass and numbered them, you know, uh, in, in their ranks, uh, he took the loaves and gave thanks and began to bless it. And when he began to break the bread, he said, Your fathers ate mine in the wilderness, and they're dead. Uh, and he tells them, Then beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, he's saying to them, Listen, what you've been feeding on is not the bread that came down from heaven, but I came to give you the true bread. I am the bread of life. And he begins to give it to his disciples, and he begins to distribute it among the people. And, there was, uh, and then he gathered, and this is powerful to me, and verse 12 said, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather fragments that there remain nothing, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves that remained over above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when he, and even was now come, his disciples went down to the sea. Now watch this. And entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty 
furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I. Be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereunto his disciples were entered, that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone over alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias down to the place where they did eat bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the people saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping, came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when, when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I said to you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat that perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, or if you will, the life of the coming age that I talked about which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, this, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. The only work of the new covenant is that you believe. Everything else flows from faith. Then he goes on down and says, he draws their attention straight to this again. He said, They said unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What or what, what dost thou work? And he says, Your, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I said to you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus says, This is the first I am. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me, and believe not the Father giveth me shall come to me. All that the Father has given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not of my own will, but of the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And, 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 and he goes on to say, and this, and this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last days. And the Jews answered and murmured at Him, because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that He saith, I am come down from heaven? Jesus answered, and, uh, therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to the Father except uh, the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now before I, I, I move on into some of this, I want to come back here and grab this, because the moment that He begins to draw their attention back again to the fact that He said, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead, but I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. Do you, do you see this picture? I hope, I hope I'm making this clear enough. He brought them out. There's a multitude in the wilderness. I mean, everything about this experience should have screamed to these people, we are living in another exodus. I can't even help but think, like I said a moment ago, that this 40-year transition period from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., was another exodus. As a matter of fact, I have looked at, uh, you know, for instance, the book of Revelation. 
A lot of prophecy teachers will say to you, you know, the church is never mentioned after the fourth chapter of Revelation, which to them signifies that the church was taken out. I, I, I disagree with that because you would think such an important event, God would have at least put it right there in the Scripture. But the reason the church is never mentioned after the fourth chapter of Revelation is because the word church, its first usage, was used when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. He called them the church in the wilderness, the ecclesia, the called out ones. What were they called out of? They were called out of Egypt and into the promised land. Well then why is the church never mentioned after the fourth chapter of Revelation? It's because the fourth chapter of Revelation begins by saying, and I saw a door opened in heaven. We're going to get to it a little bit later in this teaching, but he says in John, I believe it is chapter 10, I'm the door. I'm going to tell you that the door you thought was open is not the door he was talking about, but the door that was open was him, and he was the door that was open into the new covenant kingdom of God. And I saw a door open in heaven, and I saw a throne, and a throne with a rainbow around it. Those are symbols, ladies and gentlemen, of the kingdom that he was giving birth to in the first century. Because he, everything he preached, the kingdom, repent, the kingdom is at hand, it's within your grasp. What was he saying? There's another form of government that's about to replace the government of law. This book from Law to Grace really deals with that a lot. You need to get this book. But he was saying to them, listen man, what you thought was, you know, the government of, of law was what governed you under the old covenant. In the new covenant, it's the government of Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a, an external thing. It's within you. And so he's bringing them out, and the reason they're called the church in the wilderness is because they've been called out of something. The church is the church throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have the corporate gathering, but what I'm saying is, is that after the fourth chapter of Revelation, the reason it's not called the church is because they're not coming out anymore they have now been brought into the kingdom of His dear Son. So they're not just the called out ones, they've been brought in. See, I think we need to lose our coming out mentality and shift towards a going in mentality. Start living in houses we did not build, eat from vineyards we did not plant, and live in this promised land right now called rest. Read Hebrews 4. The promised land is more than a piece of real estate. It's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ because we're no longer under the covenant of law where it's about works and labor. Don't labor for the meat that perishes because this is the work of God, Jesus said here in John 6, is that you believe. That's the work of the new covenant. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness. They're feeding on something that did not give them the life of the coming age or everlasting life, and they're dead. And what's so powerful to me is that even as Jesus gives this bread to this multitude, and it should have powerfully pictured to them, we're coming up out of this old covenant and into this new covenant, they take up 12 baskets full of bread, and they take up 12 fragments. That, that, that's, that's incredible, because they're not going to waste anything, first of all. But what happens to me is it so powerfully pictures to me that when they got in the ship to go to the other side, and the apostles did, that to me going to the other side speaks of moving from an old covenant side to the new covenant side, 
And in order to do that, you're going to have to get into the ship and get to the other side. And one of the ships you need to get in is some fellowship with Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's the ship you need to get in. And get in the ship. But what he was even picturing, I believe, in this is that we're going to the other side, guys. And the twelve are going. The twelve apostles are sent to the other side. And it doesn't look like at first Jesus is coming with them, but in the middle of it he shows up into the Sea of Tiberias, comes walking on the water and gets in the boat. But what I want you to see is he's telling these guys, go to the other side. He's, I believe he's even showing us through that a powerful picture of the fact that these men were going to go through some real boisterous winds and some real tempestuous storms to get to the other side. And it may look like while you're headed to the other side, it may look like Jesus is not in the boat, but he's going to come to the, in the middle of the night walking on the sea. And he's even going to say to Peter, because they're going to get scared in the middle of, of the night. And Peter's going to say, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And you're going to step out of that ship and begin to walk on the water, which to me symbolizes learning how as you're moving into the new covenant to get out of the boat and walk on the water or walk in the spirit and not after the flesh, which is declared to be the law in Romans 8. We're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be the spirit of Christ dwells in you. And walking in the spirit requires simply faith in walking with him. I also think that as he took up the 12 baskets full, he reminds them in later verses. He says to them, uh, how many baskets do you not remember? He says, do you not remember? The miracle of the loaves and the fishes, how many you took up? In other words, default to the last miracle you saw, because if I gave you the miracles, you're going to make it to the other side. But I think what it powerfully speaks of is he took 12 baskets fulls up because he had 12 apostles that he was equipping with a new covenant word from heaven that Jesus was the true bread. And he said, you guys need to take this 12 baskets of bread because they're one for each one of you and carry this bread to the other side because you're the guys that are going to walk through the storm and through the tribulation and through the persecution to bring this people to the other side. And let me tell you, on the other side, miracles begin to break out. I'm telling you, powerful miracles. You're going to see that as we move and get in this ship and take this bread and feed on this true bread that came down from heaven, that you're going to see an apostolic company that has led us to the other side. And we're going to see a release of the miraculous, I believe, like we've never seen before. And so he's saying to them, man, there's so many powerful things here that he says to them that really draws attention to them, that he said, I'm going to raise them up at the last days. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead, but I'm the true bed that came down from heaven. I believe that powerfully pictures what the first I am of Jesus is. I am the true bread, not the wilderness, not the wilderness journey. Come on with me. Get in this boat. Get in this boat called Christ. Let's move to the other side. Let's walk. Let's get out of the boat in the process and learn how to walk in the Spirit. Let's realize that we got on board this ship some bread that Jesus just gave us that we can feed on that ought to give us the faith to go through the storms and to get to the other side. Because where we're at in this hour is we really have come to the other side of the ship. We may not be there in our minds because we're still hearing old covenant stuff. But let's make the shift. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness. They're dead. We're out of time. I trust this has blessed you. He's the true bread. If you've been blessed by this ministry, 
please call the number on the screen and sow seed into the ministry. You can give via debit or credit card, give the check by writing to the address that will come on the screen, or you can go to the address on this website. That's the easiest way. And you can simply give there. There's a place for giving, and you can give through PayPal with your credit card or your debit card. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next week at the same time. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.